Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. What's up, everybody? Welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. Before we get started, if you like this podcast, if you love freedom, if you believe in the Constitution, give us a five-star review. We want to hear from you. Helps us get better when you give us feedback. And just if you really love this program, if you love Must Read Alaska online, hit the donate button at mustreadalaska.com, and that helps us keep this conservative news project going. And like us on Facebook, at Must Read Alaska and on Parler, that's P-A-R-L-E-R.com, where free speech is still free. I'm Suzanne Downing, and my co-host, John Quick, is on the other mic. Scott Levesque is our producer, and you can hear Scott on the Wednesday edition of the Must Read Alaska show, which he is hosting by himself. Thank you so much, Scott, for that. We have got a lot going on in Alaska. Politics, as usual, is never politics as usual in the 49th state. But today, we are so happy to be joined by the governor of Alaska, who just this past weekend completed his second year as governor. And welcome to the show, Governor Dunleavy. Plans for Christmas or what's going on up at your house? Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's been a very interesting two years, Suzanne. I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, our plan is to uh, just have a little Christmas with our family, which we always do. We always have a, a small Christmas just with uh, myself, wife, and the girls. And um, um, sometimes we have friends come over, but uh, it's a different year this year. But uh, we're, we're looking forward to it. Um, also, I want to mention, Suzanne, that uh, I was in Juneau yesterday. Uh, after coming in from Washington, D.C., we diverted to Juneau. And um, it, uh, uh, as we know, we have a, uh, an emergency going on in southeast Alaska, all the way from Haines all, um, down to Ketchikan. And we did uh, sign a declaration of disaster letter. We'll be, uh, we'll be approaching the federal government, too, to get some assistance. They've just been pounded by some unbelievable amounts of rain that have caused uh, dams to uh, uh, fill the capacity and overflow, as well as mudslides, for example, in Haines. And again, our thoughts and prayers go out to the folks in Southeast Alaska, especially Haines, where um, they've had some mudslides and um, uh, there's uh, there's two folks still missing as a result of those mudslides. But uh, we're gonna keep monitoring that situation and uh, keep helping the people of Southeast Alaska get back up on their feet uh, uh, with the assistance of the state. Well, that, that's really, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. And people would, would like to help the people of Haines. You know, the Red Cross of Alaska is a really good organization. And of course, they are they are on the ground in Haines doing work. And also Salvation Army, I know, is activated there as well as, I know you've, you've made their disaster declaration and then you've got all of the responders coordinated. And it looks like all hands are on deck for Haines. And um, keep an eye on uh, Ketchikan as well um, with that yeah. rain coming through there. Well, um, thank you for joining us. And, and uh, we have some questions for you today where, you know, we know you were in, in D.C. You just mentioned that. And, uh, and I suppose you were talking to some people back there about the uh, pandemic. And that's on everybody's mind because it's not only been a, a tragedy for some people in, in terms of loss of life and loss of uh, income, loss of livelihood. It's been really crushing to our economy as well. 
And uh, I know John's got a, a couple questions a, a, about that. So John, um, do you want to do you want to ask the governor your questions about uh, the vaccine? Uh, yeah, I would love to. So first, first, Governor, I'd like to ask you a question about just your first two years. So you've just finished up your first two years in office. And uh, what has surprised you the most about these first two years? And um, what are some of the accomplishments that you're most proud of? Well, you know, it's been an unusual two years. Uh, that's what I've been told. And I quite honestly, uh, it, it's been an interesting two years. Um, we came in under the earthquake. Uh, we had some massive fires. We, uh, were, we were anticipating floods because we had a record snow in, in the state of Alaska. Uh, we, had, uh, we had budgetary issues that uh, we all know about, issues with the ferries. Uh, we then had problems with, uh, uh, of course, when this, this pandemic descended upon the world, including Alaska back in February. Uh, we were dealing with it early in January with the flight coming in from China, and we, we set up our emergency operations center at that point. Um, oil at two bucks a barrel, uh, budget deficits. It's, it's never been a dull, it, it, there's, no, there's no dull moment. But with that said, um, it's an honor to be the governor of Alaska. I, I believe this is the greatest state in the country. I've always believed that ever since I came up here right out of college as a young guy. And um, it's an honor for me to serve the people of Alaska. And as I've said before, we're gonna get through these issues. Alaska always does. Whether it's, whether it's World War II, earthquakes, floods, we get through them and we end up being stronger. And so I am, uh, you know, this is, uh, this is not uh, a false optimism. I really believe that uh, we're going to get out of this stronger. We'll get back on our feet. Um, and so in terms of accomplishments, uh, you, you know, navigating through this has been taking a lot of time. One of the things I, I you know, I'd like to, I'd like to talk about is, you know, our, our, um, our response to this pandemic, we still have um, uh, second lowest death numbers in the country, uh, one of the lowest death rates and hospital rates. When this pandemic hit, there were many, uh, including folks in the CDC that thought Alaska was going to be um, hit pretty hard. I mean, really, really hard. And so I wanna thank the people of Alaska for all the work that they're, they're doing and quite frankly, the sacrifice. I mean, this thing has just been an awful, awful experience. I, I can't. I can't think of a, um, you know, a, a, a very many positive things to say about this pandemic. It's, it's crushing our economy. It's, it's disrupting families. It's disrupting our lives, our ability to uh, 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 attend our religious services. Uh, the whole mask thing, uh, I'm with everybody. I mean, I, quite honestly, I, I really can't stand masks. And I'm sincere when I say that. So I'm the kind of guy that, I mean, I'm living here. I'm calling you now from my uh, 45 acres up against the mountains. I lived in rural Alaska for a long time. Uh, I like being able to do what I want to do. And this thing is, um, is really throwing a monkey wrench in that. But again, I think we're on the verge, the cusp of uh, getting the worst behind us. We're going to have a tough couple of weeks here. Um, but with the uh, advent of the vaccinations and therapeutics, um, et cetera, I think we see light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I, think the, I, think, um, uh, I think one of the things you, you may have asked, Sean, also is... Um, I guess, is there anything that surprised me over this past um, two years? And this may sound like a strange thing to bring up, but I think it strikes at the heart of the very existence of Alaska. I guess what really surprised me was the, the amount or the extent uh, that some will go to in Alaska to not want to develop our resources. I mean, this is one of the, I think, one of the great things, the great uh, relationships Alaska had with Washington, D.C. the last couple of years with President Trump. 
Every time I meet with him, and I met with him probably nine times, he'd always ask this, pretty much the same questions. How can we help Alaska? How can we help Alaska create jobs and opportunity? And, um, you know, through the Trump administration with, uh, with ANWR, OCS, uh, with, uh, with the Tongass uh, being treated as an, a, a national forest again, with the signing, for example, of uh, the Alberta to Alaska, Alaska to Alberta Railroad Extension across the uh, border. These are all tremendous opportunities, but we've been fought every step of the way yeah. uh, through litigation, by folks outside, groups outside, by, by folks inside the state of Alaska. Um, some of these opportunities, for example, in the lower 48, if they were to be presented to a state, you would have both Republicans and Democrats tripping over each other to, to have these developments happen because they would create thousands of jobs in many cases, help lift people out of poverty. But I guess that's the biggest surprise. And that's a discussion I think we need to have this year is what are we going to do to create more opportunities, jobs, wealth and revenue for the state of Alaska if we don't want to develop anything? And that's a discussion yeah. that needs to happen. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point. And, and you know, we're with the Trump administration, of course, we were right in the middle of you know, being able to roll out ANWR and, and actually do some responsible um, development of our, our national forests, which, of course, would help us also address some of our forest fire problems. But we've got a, this pandemic surging. And of course, I know you're working on um, what we're going to do with the vaccine, the, the vaccines that are, are rolling out. And uh, I understand from um, from you today that you you're going to get some vaccines in the state here within just like a couple of weeks. What yeah. what is the plan? What does the rollout plan look like for December? Yeah, a great question. And so um, this vaccination um, um, and this was Operation Warp Speed. If you remember back in February, March, this is another great thing that the Trump administration did. They said that they were going to develop a, a, a vaccination plan quicker than any other. Um, any other attempt in history, and they have. And I have to give the president a lot of credit. I know he's taken a lot of grief from a lot of folks in the press and on certain sides of the political spectrum, but I got to tell you, during this whole thing, uh, he, had pre he and Vice President um, Pence and others, they have been very available to Alaska, and they've helped us um, tremendously. And so, for example, we've got uh, uh, December 10th, um, through the 17th, and I think it'll be a couple days after that, we can expect... Pfizer and Moderna, uh, two of the vaccines, to deliver uh, 35,000 uh, doses from Pfizer, 17,000, almost 18,000 doses from Moderna. This is the first tranche that'll come to us. In addition to that, the, the military itself in Alaska is going to get 20-some thousand units for their troops and 30,000 units for their dependents. So Alaska is going to get a tremendous uh, number of doses of this vaccine, and we will continue to get doses until um, the folks that uh, wish to be uh, vaccinated will be vaccinated. And, and Suzanne, I have to say this because I'm going to have to repeat this, I know, half a dozen times. There will be no mandate to get a vaccination. I don't believe in mandating vaccinations. Ever since I was a senator and before that, when I was a, um, a school official, I don't believe that people should be forced to get a vaccination, but those vaccinations will be made available for those that want them. So rest assured, the people of Alaska, there'll be no mandating the vaccinations from my administration, this government. Um, and then um, we're looking at having hospital and frontline healthcare workers uh, being able to choose first if they wish to have a vaccination. Long-term care facility residents and staff would be second. 
EMS and fire personnel would follow, community health aid practitioners, and any individuals who are required to perform vaccinations um, will be able to get the vaccination first. And, and the efficiency of these vaccinations, surprisingly, are, are, is pretty good, 90%. And again, this is going to help us put the worst of this behind us because Again, what we're planning for at this time is also how we're going to get our economy up and running, especially uh, tourism in the spring and summer, and hopefully get our cruise ships back. Um, right. Prior to this pandemic, uh, I'll just be very brief. Prior to this pandemic, in, uh, in 2019, September, we had the lowest unemployment rate in the state's history, 6.1%. 6 March of 2020, right before this pandemic really took off, our unemployment rate was down to 5.2%. We had billions of dollars of investment coming to Alaska. Uh, we had new industries looking at Alaska. And then overnight, uh, the world got turned upside down. So we're looking to get back to normal. And mm -hmm. as I said earlier, we're looking to get, uh, uh, we're looking to come out of this uh, hopefully in, in an year or so better than we did before we went into it. So, you, so, that, so that's all good news. I mean, you're, you're, you've just rattled off a whole lot of uh, information. You've got 35,000 um, vaccination units from Pfizer, 17,000, 18,000 from Moderna, 27,000 for the military, 30,000 for their dependents. But you're saying that uh, from as a state policy, there will not be mandated no. vaccines. So, so no. this is just no. something that if people want, do you, do you think most Alaskans want to take it? What are you hearing out there from people? Do they want, you they know, want to take this vaccine? I, I would say, I would guess that, uh, I would guess that 60% of Alaskans will want to take it. And that's kind of consistent, I think, nationally with, with folks. And the, the way vaccinations work, you don't need 100% of the population to be vaccinated for it to work. 60% um, um, will, will do it, will we'll create herd immunity. You know, many people now are infected and they have mm -hmm. the antibodies. And so from what I'm told, and I'm not a scientist, but from what I'm told, um, There'll be enough folks that uh, will most likely volunteer in Alaska for the vaccination that, as I mentioned, come March, April, May, especially, um, we're going to be uh, we're going to be we're going to be getting back to uh, really getting back to normal. I mean, we're going to be looking at uh, tourism and um, uh, some great things happening this summer. Well, listen, before, before we break um, off on a new topic. Um, you, you did go to the White House recently, and, and um, that was last week. Was there any other information that you that you gleaned on the pandemic that was important while you were there? Or were, were you talking about other things? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, there's a number of things we talk about when we go back to the White House. We meet with the Secretary of the Interior, for example. We meet with the President's aides uh, in the White House itself. I'll tell you, I'll tell you an interesting thing that's, uh, that's been developing over the last several months. Um, and, and that is... Um, the uh, the White House wants to develop a um, a pretty positive relationship with Greenland, and so they've asked Alaska to help with that, because as we know, Greenland the the, the folks the Greenlanders are are mostly um, Inupiaq Eskimo, which are mm -hmm. the same Eskimo folks as the North Slope, the uh, the Nana region up by Kotzebue, and the Nome area, the Bering Strait area, and um, we've been working with the uh, federal government on this um, because there's there's a lot of commonalities. And one of the one of the things we have in common is a lot of mineral resources, a lot of fishing, and the potential for tourism. And it's a it's a new uh, it's a new country in the making with fifty four thousand individuals. It's wow. currently um, controlled by Denmark, yep. but again, uh, we're in the process uh, of putting together some relationships ships with the University of Alaska, exchange students, uh, really strengthening our ties. And so that was a discussion. Um, 
we talked to the Secretary of the Interior about a lot of our resource projects up here and how we can, uh, how we can keep those projects going. And so, um, and the other thing that uh, was discussed to some extent was um, uh, the pandemic. And quite frankly, the, uh, the, the, the White House uh, views Alaska's approach to the pandemic positively. They, 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 they uh, like our, our vaccination plan. Um, they look at our numbers. And like I said, we have the second lowest death numbers in the country and one of the lowest, if not the lowest death rates as well as hospitalization. So we're trying to thread the needle. They see that. And um, uh, those, those discussions took place over uh, several days. But, um, you know, uh, we're a little, uh, things are a little up in the air as to where we're going to be going with this uh, relationship with uh, D.C. But, uh, again, I'm hoping for the best and planning for the, uh, you know, planning on, uh, 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 on making us uh, 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 a, a better place here in a few months. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, we'll, see. we'll get, we're going to get to that in a little bit, uh, the relationship with the Biden White House, if, if, if we're uh, unlucky enough to have that. But while you were there, you didn't happen to take those flags with you, did you? I did. I took the oh. flags. You're talking about the flags that uh, uh, picked up. The oh, the Kenai flags. Yeah. Yeah. These are Trump flags. And um, there was a uh, there was a rally down there for legislators uh, about a month or two ago. And some of those flags um, were auctioned off. And, um, you know, I said, if I get back to D.C., I'll take the flags and I'll get them signed by the president. The president signed those flags. I think it was four flags uh, Friday, Friday morning. Oh Personally, my gosh! So I've got them with me, and we'll get them. Uh, we'll get them down to the Kenai. But uh, those folks that uh, those flags coming your way, this is the actual signature by the President of the United States in the White House uh, Friday morning. No, oh, you made good on your promise. I really, I know the people on the Kenai are really going to appreciate that because uh, I think you made them double their auction value. To <laughs> I'll take them over to DC. I'll get them signed. And I thought, well, when's that going to happen? But yeah. you did it. Yep. Yep. We got them done. Well, you know, that's fantastic. So, John, you've got a question for the governor about the Anchorage economy. Yeah. Thanks so much, Governor. So, Anchorage, I got a, qu a couple questions for you about Anchorage. So, you know, Anchorage represents such a huge part of, a, of the Alaska economy. What can be done to reverse the damage of the Anchorage shutdown by the former mayor and the current acting mayor? You know, that is, that's a, it's a heartbreaking situation. Um, it, it, when, we, when we determined in the spring, uh, in April, that um, this virus was not uh, not uh, the the killer to the extent that was um, that was predicted. In other words, they were looking at twenty thousand Alaskans dying potentially, and five hundred thousand uh, being infected, hundred thousand being hospitalized. Um, we worked at the state uh, at the state level to get the uh, economy and the state back to as normal as possible. And I know that the virus cases are high in Anchorage, um, but uh, the shutdowns are just they're just they're devastating to the economy. They're absolutely devastating to the economy. And so we know that um, we, it, we got the CARES Act uh, to us, uh, sent to us um, by Congress in the spring. And at the state level, we acted very, very quickly to get that money out to communities, especially for businesses. And um, we, uh, we continue to urge communities, municipalities to get that money in the hands of businesses. And the, uh, the municipality of Anchorage does have money. They were allocated uh, well over $100 million. We, um, we released again another 20 last week, um, and we fast-tracked it to the municipality of Anchorage. But um, you know, I would urge the municipality to work with the businesses 
to make sure that uh, they uh, they can fast track that money into the businesses so that wages could be paid, rents can be paid, that we can salvage something out of this. But this is just the this is just the heartbreaking, awful situation. And I know, you know, John, I know that people have asked me to intervene. The issue is, uh, and I know this is difficult for people to 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 I guess to get our arms around, but uh, Anchorage is a first class city and has a charter. And under our state statutes, and it was the intent of the framers, we've really looked into this. I mean, I was on the phone all day long today, again, with our Department of Law. The bottom line is Anchorage has statute on its side. I can't just go in and be a dictator over Anchorage. It's not how it works. We have have checks and balances. We have a constitution. We have statute. And they do have the powers to do what they're doing, um, although it's, um, it's, it's, it's been devastating for these businesses. So you got you've released that final twenty million and you fast tracked that to them and um, it, it, there is some evidence that that Anchorage is reprioritizing some of its 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 um, distribution of that COVID spending now to it may be too late for some businesses I'm hearing um, I'm hearing right and left from businesses that are going out of business this month but doesn't Anchorage yep. also have a bunch of money from the MLMP sale that it could use to help. Um, the, not just businesses, but families that are falling behind in their rent. I mean, that MLMP sale was huge. It was a billion dollars. Um, yeah, my understanding is hundreds of millions of dollars um, Anchorage got from that sale. And again, the, 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 the Assembly of Anchorage, um, the Assembly of Anchorage can prioritize their spending. That's what they do. And again, I would, I would hope and I would ask that they would use some of this money as well to help these businesses. I think, you know, I, I think people could understand and would understand and, and to some degree accept that if they had to alter their business practices for a little while, that, um, that they, they can do that if they get the help from government that is actually imposing these restrictions, get help from government to be able to get through that period of time. And so again, I, you know, I'd ask the borough, uh, the assembly, to really take a look at this because they know too that these businesses are hurting and um, really hurting. And as you mentioned, some of them are gonna be going out of business, actually a number of them are gonna be going out of business. And you know, we're, we're looking at a CARES Act package apparently that's coming our way. We should know by Friday from the federal government, they look like they're gonna be passing something in the neighborhood of $900 million. We're trying to get a peek at what those details are. But again, um, um, we're going to do everything we can to help our businesses and our economy in Alaska from the state perspective. So, John, why don't you throw your question about the education system? Because we're, you know we're going to run out of time here, and um, yeah, so good to have the governor on, but I, I know he's, he's he's going to run out of time as well. So, something that's near and dear to my heart, Governor, is uh, my kids' education. I have three kids that are school age, and we have many friends and family around the peninsula and around the state that have kids in school. And really, in my opinion education is failing our kids across the state. Um, is it time to call an education emer- an emergency? And what can the state do to help get kids back in the classrooms and, and teachers back in the classrooms? Again, um, I know people are not gonna like what I'm about to say, but uh, the 53 school districts have local control laws that are vested in their school boards. And the idea, once again, was uh, that uh, local folks could go down to their school boards and go down to their local city councils and assemblies instead of having to fly to Juneau to be able to address their elected officials. This is an example. You have school districts across the state, some that have in-person learning, 
some that have a combination of in-person learning and online, uh, others that have shut down occasionally. These are all local control issues. And I agree with you that we do have an educational emergency. And John, to be honest with you, we, we had one before. We, we were not doing great in terms of uh, our assessment outcomes. But nonetheless, this, uh, this pandemic is really devastating to education as well. And I would encourage, again, I would encourage school districts to seriously think about in-person, in-school, in-person, in-class learning, especially for younger kids. Because your four, five, and six-year-olds, those that are getting ready to read, those that are learning how to read, and those that are um, learning how to uh, really comprehend uh, as part of the reading process, they, um, they need to be in front of the teacher. They need to have their teacher there. It's very difficult for them to learn at home. It's very difficult for parents because parents, generally speaking, aren't teachers. Parents, generally speaking, may not be as tech savvy in doing a lot of this work online. And so, you know, I, I, I believe that um, the school districts and school boards, and I was a school board member. I was a president of the school board up here in Matsu. I'm an educator, um, especially for our younger kids. Uh, we, with every day that goes by that they are not learning is uh, is the day that's going to be difficult to get back. And so I, I would encourage the school districts and the school boards to seriously think about having the kids in school, in class, the CDC, uh, a whole host of other pediatric uh, associations nationally and internationally believe that the uh, younger students, especially younger kids, are, are not spreaders per se of this virus. They don't, uh, they don't exhibit symptoms to the degree that older folks do. And so there's a lot of countries and a lot of states that do have in-person learning. And so, again, this is a local control issue. And I know people want me to uh, you know, uh, uh, pound the table on this, but I would implore the school districts to take a serious look at this and um, uh, re-evaluate uh, their approach to education. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll second you on that one. Is there any chance that we can get your reading bill through? I mean, you might, are you going to um, reintroduce your, your reading bill that, that they never gave a hearing to? Yeah, we're looking at that and that, that's, that's going to be critical. And we're also, you know, we're having discussions with the uh, Department of Education as how, how we're going to deal with these deficits. And so next week is, um, is uh, the budget, right? Yep, that's the week. I was just about to ask you that. Go for it. Well, what do you want to ask me, Suzanne? Next week, is the, <laughs> next week the budget comes out. And so, I, I so I'm going to ask you how how are you going to patch the big hole? Well, we're looking at uh, you know we're looking at low revenues this year, right? Because of what happened with oil, uh, right. we're 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 in the 40s. Uh, back in 2010 and 11, we were well over 100 uh, 100 dollars a barrel. So, the first year I came in, we had a 1.6 billion dollar deficit. We have a 2. Point plus billion dollar deficit this year. And we know it's going to be difficult to tax Alaskans in this environment to, to pay for this. So we're just going to, we're going to have to have some serious conversations as to what we want Alaska to look like. And I don't want to uh, I don't want to unwrap or get ahead of myself because that'll occur before the 15th um, when we roll this out. But we're going to be looking at protections for Alaskans. We uh, we we uh, introduced constitutional amendments last year on spending, taxation, permanent fund. And um, we're, we're going to roll those out again because we believe that Alaskans should feel that uh, from a financial perspective, a budgetary perspective, that they can have some certainty as we move forward. So you'll see what, uh, you know, uh, what the budget's going to look like, uh, including reductions, but also some, uh, uh, some new and interesting uh, um, revenue approaches 
And is, um, there, is there any way that the um, CARES Act money can be used to you know, help out this budget since this budget is obviously impacted by the global economy, which is a, a pandemic economy? And yeah. is there a case to be made that you can use some of the CARES Act money to actually meet some of our needs here? Well, the hope is that that's what's happening right now uh, with these discussions in Washington. And we'll know, we hope to know by Friday or Monday. But uh, again, we've been pushing for flexibility in the use of that money. So that, as you say, we we each state can tailor make the, uh, the the approach to the CARES Act, and so we hope it can be. And if it can, it's going to help us uh, obviously a lot. And so we'll know here uh, Friday or Monday uh, what we can do with that. But uh, again, we're optimistic that this go around, they're going to give us more flexibility than, than they did last time. Well, the last last question for you because uh, we're going to run out of time, but. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, we had a great relationship with President Trump and boy, he's been probably the best president for Alaska in our state's history. But we're, it looks to me like we're probably going to see a new president here in President-elect, presumed President-elect Biden, if, um, if his court cases don't uh, work for him at the Supreme Court. Uh, what are we going to do about our relationship with this next White House? Um, he, he seems like he's... Um, trying to become more of a moderate than he was when he was running and but what's your relationship going to be with with president-elect biden how are you going to well, manage that well um first of all uh, i'm not um i'm not there yet that uh, there's a new president and the reason i say that is it's not um, necessarily false optimism but if you remember when gore bush um that election took place there were um, there were court action lawsuits well into December, well into December to try and figure that out. And, and the reason I say that is um, the people of America need to know that their vote counts. That they sure. really do. And if there is any suspicion, suspicion of fraud, which there is, that really needs to be looked into. That really needs to be investigated. That really needs to be determined, by, I think, by the courts that uh, if it does exist, then uh, it needs to be rectified. If it doesn't exist, then that needs to be um, uh, proven as well. And if we don't do that, this is really about 244 years of this country. The thing that differentiates this country from any other country in the face of the earth is the ability for us to believe that our vote counts. And so I'm just saying I'm not there yet. But in the outside chance, and I'd like to word it that way, mm -hmm. that um, there is a new administration, we, um, we, will, we will set up a relationship. Uh, with that new administration to do the best we can to work with them. I'm afraid, though, if the worst case scenario actually unfolds, I'm afraid that the Biden administration has made it clear that a lot of the things that Alaska stands for, and remember what I mentioned early on, what surprised me most about the last two years is this uh, anti-development mentality um, uh, focused on Alaska. You don't get this focus on the state of Washington or Alabama or Texas. It just seems to be focused on Alaska, that Alaska is the country's park, that it's not a state, a sovereign state in a federal system. And I, I refuse to accept that. I think many Alaskans refuse to accept that. And we got to make that uh, clear, if there is a new administration, that Alaska's existence as a state and the reason we were purchased in, uh, in the 1800s, 1867, was because of our resource potential and our location on the globe. And we have to, we're compelled by the statehood act in our constitution to develop our resources. And I would anticipate, Suzanne, that um, if there is a new administration and they, um, they, uh, they, they try to thwart us at every issue in creating revenue opportunities and job opportunities, that they're gonna have a fight on their hands. 
Interesting. Very good. Very good. Well, listen, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to say to the Must Read Alaska Nation out here? Because I know we're going to have a lot of listeners today. Yeah, just just real quick. I know there's um, uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding and I think uh, I think some disinformation regarding how does Alaska compare with other states and how they're dealing with this virus. There are many states with many, for example, conservative Republican governors that are very restrictive. Uh, mass statewide mask mandates in places like Utah, Indiana, uh, restrictions in places like Texas, Idaho, Alabama. These are all Republican states and conservative states. We don't have those restrictions statewide, you know, it, it, regardless of what some are saying. Anchorage does. We do ask that when people come in the state of Alaska that they get a test. And we do uh, ask that people don't go to places uh, in rural Alaska that don't have hospitals unless they have a, uh, a negative test, because those folks out there, um, they don't have a robust health care system. And so the idea that Alaska and that uh, I, as governor, um, am acting in an unconstitutional or dictatorial manner, it's, it's not true. Uh, we, don't have, we don't have anywhere near the restrictions, anywhere near the restrictions that many of these other states have. And I just would hope that people would ask the questions um, and, um, and really look into it. Because if you do, you'll find out that we don't have any statewide restrictions on businesses, gatherings, you name it. And I think we've taken a pretty good approach to keep our virus numbers and counts um, uh, within reason. And uh, like I said, we have some of the lowest death rates. The other thing I want to mention before we leave, and this is important too, I think Alaska is the only state that has numbers as low as we do, but also got through a summer and an election season without riots, without burnings, without statue pulling, and without police shootings. And I think, uh, I, I think people need to remember that, that when the rest of the country was up in arms, literally, and some cities still are, we really were a sea of tranquility. We really were a place that was focused on, um, on, on taking care and looking out for each other as opposed to uh, trying to cause disruptions. And that's a testament to Alaskans. But uh, again, I would just wrap it up by saying, it's a great place. We got great people. Uh, we are the freest state in the country in many respects. And it's my job to ensure that we remain the freest state in the country. Uh, and, and that's 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 what we'll be doing as we get through this uh, this uh, terrible point in our history. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Governor Dunleavy. And thank you for being a guest on our show today. You are welcome here anytime at Must Read Alaska. I hope we get you back again, maybe before the end of the year. We can talk about the budget or yep. uh, maybe early in, in uh, 2001. Thank you for being on our yep. show. John, what do we need to remind our listeners about today? Well, if uh, if you like the show, if you like Must Read Alaska, please make sure to uh, check out our, our podcasts on iTunes. It's on Podbean. We're on Google Play. Shoot us a five-star review if you like it. We're on MeWe, Parler, uh, Twitter. You name it. If there's a platform out there, we're on it. So go check us out and uh, and always be sure to give us a like, give us a share, give us some comments because we want to hear from you. You are why we do this. And thank you so much for listening. That's a wrap for today's show. Please check out more stories at mustreadalaska.com. Thank you, John Quick. And thank you, Scott Levesque. I love working with you guys. Uh, we've got a great team here growing at Must Read Alaska. If you support us, that's great. We appreciate you. Hit the donate button at mustreadalaska.com. And we will keep standing strong against that blue tide of liberal activist media. Until next week, we're signing off from somewhere in Alaska. And I'll see you right here on the Must Read Alaska show. Stay frosty, everybody. Bye-bye.